Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Are you on? I am on and I'm recording. Are you on drugs? <sighs> I wish. I mean, kind of you are. When, aren't we? Aren't we? Isn't existence just a drug? Welcome back to the official Geek Speak podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and joining as always is my Josh. That's what. Wait, what? <laughs> Rest- here. Re- restart. You you cut out as you were giving your intro. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Welcome back to the official Geek Speak podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and joining as always is my co host, Josh, not sick like me, Rudy Rudolph. This is a podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. What else can you ask for? Woo! every episode usually we go through a disney channel original movie or dcom for short and we'll see quality changes etc from the biggest media company on earth catering towards totally children large sample size yada 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 you'll have heard it in every other 45 episodes but if you're new to the podcast sorry i skipped past it They Um, they don't need to know things this is a show where we are taking a journey through pop culture, and we're both fun, nerdy people, also filmmakers, and today is our year interview based on last year. We try to do the end of January, uh, or off by about four days, three days, so our apologies. Sorry, not sorry. It just gives us a chance to catch up on, because, you know, a lot happens in, de- in December still usually, so it helps us catch up on what we missed, some things. And I did catch up on some things, which was good. Josh, we have news, and then our main topic, which is our year interview. Followed by nothing. We don't have a super weird story today. Just uh, a lot of news and a lot of weird story stuff about, you know, years reviewing. Oh, oh goody. This makes my job as editor easier. I know. I made your life lovelier. You, you, temporarily. Cut, you cut out again for a sec. Why am I cutting out for I you? I don't know. This has never happened. This will be a fun edit for you then. Okay. Sad news. Oh, um, goody. Beloved actor Carl Weathers. Um passed away this past week um and that is not a happy thing that's a very very sad thing i first saw him in yeah i think it was rocky was the first thing i saw him in and yeah as apollo right yep great great actor very very sad that he's passed also i apologize if you hear beeping a bit distant sometimes uh one of our neighbors does not uh, has a low battery smoke detector (laughs) so it has been chirping for a day they're not changing it so i apologize 
Uh, yes, Colin Weathers, I have seen him only in one thing, uh, two things technically ever. Toy Story 4 as Combat Carl. Nice. Uh, and Happy Gilmore as Chubbs. Perfect. I guess I might have, might have seen, him, seen him in the regular show. For, oh, uh, you know, I saw him in Arrested Element for one episode as himself. <laughs> he was great in that. And Psych as one episode for, as Floyd Boone. Psych is great. I most recently have seen him in The Mandalorian. He uh, was great in that. Uh, yeah, this is this just sucks. That's sad. It's always hard to transition from his death to something else in this show. So, Oscar nominations. Just not going to do it. We're not going to transition. All right. The nominations happened when we recorded last, but I figured it'd be better to have those for our year in review since it's more fitting for this topic. True. There's a lot of interesting things happening here, and a lot of discussions to be had because... You know, every year it's the same thing of, but why weren't they not nominated? I'm like, it just, it's. This was, this was a really good year for movies. So I can understand the frustration, but also as a whole, I think most things that got nominated were well deserved. Most things. There are some that were questionable. Here are some uh, first time Oscar nominees for acting at first time ever, which is surprising to me. Emily Blunt's first nominate nomination. Really? Uh, yep. Oh. Uh, Sandra Huller, I don't know who I, I what who did you play this year? Uh she was in Anatomy of a Fall. She was fantastic. Uh, I ha- I'm watching that this week, so I'm excited to see it. Very good. Jeffrey Wright's for no- first nomination. He was great in American fiction. He- I'm watching that tomorrow, nice. actually. I'm watching that as well as I'm doing double feature tomorrow of that and I think Argyle. So I know you have thoughts on Argyle, we'll get to it. <laughs> uh Jeffrey Wright, uh Lily Gladstone, which is a uh, first also Native American nominee for nominee for best actress so that's amazing Woo. um and i agree with her statement of saying why am i the first that's her response yes it's also a, a good thing we should talk about at some point as well as like larger discussion maybe have more native people be in mainstream acting roles yeah just a thought killian murphy uh his first nomination as well nice which again surprised me as his first but it kind of makes sense he's often playing more side characters yeah and like his biggest thing I th- I want to say recently in the main role has been Peaky Blinders. So, yeah, he's been kind of Not busy with that. Oscar contender. Danielle Brooks for her first nomination. Nice. Was that for Color Purple? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, America Ferreira for Barbie. All right. And that was a good nomination as well. I think it's a good role that she did. Sterling K. Brown's first nomination. Woo! Coleman Domingo's first nomination. Woo! And Devine Joy Randall's first nomination. Woo! So, overall, I'm happy for all, everyone. Like, okay. Let's talk about Barbie for one second, because everyone's going to address that. Just for one second. I think the discussion of snubbing for Barbie is a little funny, because didn't they get, like, eight nominations? They have a oh. best They have a best picture nomination, and Margot is in that, because she produced the movie, and Greta has a nomination for screenplay for it as well. I get the frustration, but you look at all the, like, best actress nominees, like, they're all well-deserving. Again, this is the problem. This was a very good year for movies. But I'm also someone that doesn't think that Barbie is Margot's best role or best performance. Not it's not Babylon. Bad the, yes, Babylon, incredible. It's not that Barbie was bad in any way, shape, or form. I just think that the actresses that got nominated are a little bit more deserving. Also, like I think people are hiding up, uh, hyping up um, um, Margot Robbie's performance so much, but ignoring America Ferrera's nomination at the same time. And that's kind of bothering me. Everyone is also saying, like, Ryan Gosling, Ken got nominated over Barbie. It's like, no, he didn't. They're different categories. He couldn't possibly get nominated over Barbie. It's literally not possible. 
Um, and I'm glad he was nominated because he deserved, I think he did a good job. What I love about the supporting actor category this year is how so many of them are for comedic uh, performances. Three out of five of them were for comedies. And I, you know, I think that's cool. Like, I feel like comedies really just get the short end of the stick at the Oscars. So it's nice to see that they have like decent representation this year. So far, with the movies I've seen for Best Picture, I'm rooting for probably I haven't seen I haven't seen like half of these. I'm rooting for Barbie right now. So I have, I have no idea which of them I want because I've seen them all now. This is like the first time I've ever seen all of them. They're all fantastic. I honestly, it's just going to come down to a matter of personal preference because I could see any of them winning. I've seen four out of the ten so far. I'm seeing American Fiction tomorrow, and I'm going to see my show this week as well on Netflix and stuff. So I'll catch up pretty fast. I guess. My answer would maybe be between Oppenheimer and Killers. I honestly don't know because I again I love them all. They're all great. And for best actor, I've only seen Kelly Murphy and Paul Giamatti so far in this list. So I still need to see. I still need to see Rustin. <sighs> this is a tough one. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna say Paul Giamatti. I want him to swoop in and steal it. I think that'd be amazing. Didn't Colin Domingo also play Mister in Color Purple? Yes, he did. He was great in that as well. And best actress, I'm I. Honestly, again, I've not seen these categories really, but MSM was great. That's only one of these I've seen so far. I'm I'm overall excited to see because these, these movies overall, I hear great things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've seen like half the nominations total, and it's like, ah, I need to catch up. Yeah, like Best International Films, I've only seen one of them. I still need to see the other ones. And I think Animated Films, I still need to see Robot Dreams. Oh, that's the only one I still need to see. I will say, I am really happy with Animated Future List, and that Wish is not in it. Oh, me too. I'm very happy Wish did not get nominated. And I just love that Nimona, the movie that Disney passed on because, you know, it didn't fit the brand, has an Oscar nomination now, which is the best middle finger that ever could have happened to them. And it's a very gay movie. It is very gay, and it's delightful. Overall, nominations, yeah, sure. I wish that we had nominations for Iron Claw. That's what I want right now. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of snubs this year that, you know, should have been nominated. But uh, again... So many good movies this year. Yes. I'm also really upset there's no um, uh, nominations for Priscilla or Saltburn for Best Director. Because I think, even though, if like the films are not, the direction of those movies were phenomenal. But, yeah. alas, we move on. We are only al- we are only allowed to have one woman director nominate each year, and even that's Apparently. not allowed. <laughs> Apparently. Um, so, speaking of Oscar, you know, high-caliber people in film world, Martin Scorsese... Oh, that um, guy? Yeah. He says he does not see his own moves in public. Does that surprise you? Mm, no. Do you want to know the reason why? Lay it on me. He said, and I quote, I'm short. And there's always a big person in front of me. <laughs> you know what? That's that's a real problem. I, I get it. <laughs> but look, that, that, why are you just... You, <laughs> he's dressing that as, as why he doesn't see his own movies. Not like he doesn't go see movies in general. I, it's odd. Anyway... I get a news piece of yay. That's I'll, funny and relatable. I'll, I'll give it a yay. Um, I like how you say that's relatable, like we're not two very tall people. I'm saying to the masses, Josh. That's Yeah, that's it's true. It's relatable to my mom. <laughs> yeah, you recently watched Argyle. I did. I haven't seen it. You said it was about 5 out of 10, right? It's it's a very mixed bag. It's The best way I could describe it is if someone went to, like, kind of a lesser filmmaker and told them to make, like, a PG-13 Matthew Vaughn movie, and this is the best that they could do. It's very strange. Um, 
I don't hate, like, there's a lot of stuff that I like, but then there's a lot of stuff that's just, I don't know, the pacing is the worst thing about it. It's it's a little over 2 hours 15 minutes. It feels so much longer than that, and it's, it bothers me. The action, it's a very mixed bag. Again, I don't know what's happened to Matthew Vaughn over the last few years, but he, he just, I don't know what's happened. I want the director of the first Kingsman back in first class, not whatever has happened to him now. And again, I think a big problem with the the Kingsman and this is that his frequent collaborator Jane Goldman has did not write it, and it's very noticeable. <laughs> it's it's a okay movie. There's stuff I like. There's stuff I don't. The cast definitely saves it. Sam Rockwell, God among men. Maybe it'll be our discussion next week. We'll find out what happens. Well, I have Matthew Vaughn news. Speaking of Kingsman, he says he knows how Kingsman three will start and how it'll end. He has not figured out what to do in the middle yet, which honestly, as a writer, is very relatable. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. It's a struggle. I get that. Yeah, he's honest and I appreciate it. Yeah. More Matthew Vaughn news past that point. You like Damien Chazelle. Speaking of Babylon earlier. He's um, great. Matthew Vaughn will direct a musical written by Damien Chazelle. Hmm. I'm confused, but on board. I know you're like, why can't Damien do it? I but, I would prefer if Damien would do it, but if like we get the Matthew Vaughn of like past films directing this, like I think he has a very cool visual eye that could be pretty neat for a musical. I think that Matthew Vaughn's style overall could work for a musical really really well, and I think if like one thing I like about Chazelle often is also his writing. So I think I could like he lends itself to these big over the top kind of grand stories. I think those two combining could be a good team. Also, he might be like, hey, I can't get these things with good scripts off the ground. Give me a script, please. <laughs> I trust you. So, you know what? I'd give it a yay as well. Yay, because silly people comboing together. I guess I'll give it a yay. Josh, what do you think about the Thunderbolts movie? I don't know what to think of it, because it's been in development four years now. Well, they were shooting it, and it stopped because of strikes. True. So, who knows? We have casting changes, despite, again, they were shooting it. Lewis Pullman, who most recently was in uh, Top Gun Maverick, as the guy with glasses. That was his, I don't know his character name, but that's who he was. Bob. He is, Bob is his name? Yes. Why do you know that? Because I love Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I've seen it one time and thought it was fine. I watched it in the hospital recently when I got my appendix taken out. It was great. That's some tea time with Josh. Uh, Lewis Pullman is the top choice to play Sentry in Thunderbolts, replacing Stephen Ewan. Cool. Sure. I, I had a, to me, Stephen Ewan was great, and I liked changing it a bit. It was fun. But, sure, why not? I'm excited to see how much he beefs up the role, because he's basically playing a, a version of a Marvel Superman character. So, sure, be big. I was I was just going to say, I'm down. He He's great in Top Gun. For, I first saw him in Bad Times at the Al Royale. He was great in that. I'm down for it. Io, a debris, will no longer star in Thunderbolts due to scheduling conflicts, and Geraldine Viswanathan will replace her. I'm sad. <laughs> I bet she's like, I want an Emmy. I want a bigger pay now. It's it's probably that, and I think now, and I hope that if she does get into like a Marvel or DC movie, it's actually like in a big role and not like a side role than like what was planned for her in this. Yeah, I think she's really good. From what I've seen her in, I think she's very funny. So I'm excited to see what what she can do uh, with, you know, more prominent roles. I loved her in Feature Camp. I loved her in Bottoms. 
Fear Camp, Bottoms, The Bear. She's she's amazing. One of my favorite actors working today. Abbott Elementary. Yeah. Uh, the replacement for Missy in Big Mouth. She had a lot of very fun. Oh, she, she's an intro. We'll get to all that stuff soon. But she was very fun. And I'm excited to see more of her career going forward. I give this news piece a yay because, I, again, I'm holding up for something better for her for Marvel or DC. I'll give it a yay. I, li- I like Geraldine. I've I've really liked her since um, Breakers when that came- no uh, Blockers uh, when that came out. I think she's really funny. I think she could do good. It's also yeah. Me saying holding up for some for something better is not an insult to Geraldine. I'm just thinking it'd be cool to see what Ao can do in the, pack- in the future. Also, I've only seen Geraldine in one thing, and that's the movie The Package. You've and also- yes, I've seen that movie. You've also seen Blockers. No, I haven't. I thought you have. No. Oh. That's why I'm saying I'm looking at her filmography, sir. Oh. I know, crazy. Uh cool. Moving past onto Millie Alcock is now playing our Supergirl in the DCU, most known now for House of the Dragon. Cool. I've seen her in I think nothing. I have seen her in House of the Dragon, and she is great. Most younger actors, it's harder to see their their past stuff because they're still starting out with stuff. So, and look, she started acting like 2014. So, and she's done like a few things in 2018 and then a few things in like 2020. And that's pretty much how it's been. So I'm excited to see how this goes. James Gunn seems really excited about it. He watched her in House of Dragon and it's like, see that, like, both the, like that kindness and that edge in her character that they're looking for. So that's cool. Is she good in that show? Yeah, she's really good. She definitely has those characteristics that I've heard. Cause I, I heard someone say that the way they're adapting Supergirl is from, I think, like, the New 52, like, that kind of era of it, and not, like, how the Supergirl show was, where it was kind of, like, a gender-bent uh, Superman. And that's what I've heard. Um, obviously, I have no idea that's how it's going to be. Uh, but, yeah, if that's how it is, um, she definitely has those qualities in House of the Dragon. I have your favorite thing of all time, Josh. Ready for it? I, uh, maybe. You're aware that Universal is making a new park. Yes. Are you aware of this? Yes. The Epic Universe, is what it's calling it. It's going to have five or four or five parks in it with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and it's called Ministry of Magic, as they're calling the area. There's an area called Celestial Park, Super Nintendo World, Harry Training Dragon, Isle of Burke, and the return of something that's very shocking, the Dark Universe Universal Monster stuff. I knew they would never let it die. It's back, baby! And it includes concept art and stuff from what they were potentially planning to do for the movies. I love that they're doing this. That one photo is, it haunts me. It, God, when, when the Dark Universe first got announced and like they had fully cast and everything, I was just like, well, that's neat. And then nothing ever happened after the first Mummy movie. I think a picture of that picture is now a picture of the picture with, of course, that cast photo of the whole universe they did setting it up and nothing came of it. Javier Bardem, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise. Like this is a, a cast that you wasted Oh, yeah, um, 100%. But also, like, who asked for an interconnected monster movie universe? I'm curious. Like, I'd watch it. What would it have led to, though? That's the thing. But in that main cast photo, why is the only one not in a suit Tom Cruise? He's just in a t-shirt and jeans. Because he's cool. <laughs> Duh. Uh, so how do you feel about the Return of the Dark Universe in any form? I'm just... <laughs> I fully believe they did that just for the meme of it all, that they didn't have any intention of actually calling it that, but then everyone's just like, yo, I miss the Dark Universe so much, and they're like, alright, fuck it, let's just call it the Dark Universe then. Yay. I Very big yay, very excited. 
Actually, no, nay, because it will not be in California or anyway, but Florida. Well, I'm on the <sighs> East Coast, so I'm going to give it a yay. Bully for you. We have something else, Josh, that you're excited about is happening. What, what am I excited for? The Last of Us. This is true. The Last of Us Part 3 has been confirmed by Neil Druckmann and quoting saying, it does feel like there's probably one more chapter to this story. How do you feel about that as a player of the games? <laughs> I'm good. I'm the kind of person that is like, if we never got part three, I would be satisfied. But that, but that we're basically confirmed getting one. I'm like, all right, I'll let's see what you got. Let's see where you can take the story from here. I have not played part two or part one, so I'm indifferent to this. But cool, you get to play more games. Yeah, it excites you. Oh, very much so. Does it excite you as much as the dark universe at a park? I mean, I don't know, man. <sighs> that's that's know, a the dark universe. One. The, the, dark, the dark universe is the dark universe that's the number one thing of all time it's the best thing oh of course junkie xl will return to compose a score for sonic 3 nice also they have a new logo with a kind of a shadow and sonic look have you seen the logo yes if shadow doesn't have a gun then what's even the point of doing this what are you talking about have you not the video game shadow the hedgehog he uses guns Oh my god, I haven't played a game in, like two, in a long time. Okay, I played the game a little bit, like, 15 years ago. So, I don't remember that. Well. I never played it as a kid. I will never forget seeing the box art and seeing a Sonic game where a Sonic-like character has a gun. But I also have Sonic movie news, more about it, more about it with uh, Jim Carrey's returning as Robotnik in Sonic 3, officially. Thank god. He did announce his retirement prior to this, but now I guess he's probably contracted to do this again. Uh, so he's coming back for it. Or maybe he just loves playing Robotnik so much. He might. He might. It's a fun role, I'm sure. You you can tell how much he loves it because he hasn't gotten to do like a very zany role like this in a very long time. Yeah, I like it. Also, uh, Kristen Ritter has been cast in Sonic Three. I'm hoping as Rouge the Bat. Sure, I'm. I don't some, know much Sonic characters, but that'll be neat. Some people think she'll, she'll be Amy. Would by I think she's too like edgy for Amy based on her previous roles. Like we're going off of typecasting here. Okay. Do you know anything about Sonic Lore, Josh? I know very little. I know that Amy's oh. the pink one. You're not wrong. She has a giant hammer. Cool. Okay. If I tell you a character, tell me if they're real or not. Okay? Okay. Thing. We got Cream the Rabbit. No. That's real. Oh, my God. George the Squirrel. No. Correct. That's not right. Blaze the Cat. Yes. Yes. Ray the Flying Squirrel. No. No, that's real. <laughs> There's a lot of very odd things in Sonic lore, Josh. But I feel like they're going to go with a much more classic route since they have Knuckles, Tail, Sonic. They're probably going to add Rouge, Amy, and maybe, like, a Chow. Maybe is what I'm thinking about at this point. Because they have Shadow. Overall, uh, fun. It'll be. I can't believe we're getting a Sonic trilogy at this point. That's what's bizarre to me. Crazy. I love it. It'll, it'll beat the Dark Knight trilogy for sure. Of course. But speaking of Sonic and Sonic games, did you watch the trailer for Sonic X Shadow Generations? I did. I have actually never played much Sonic games like at all. I think the only one that I ever played a decent amount of was Sonic Unleashed, the one where he turns into a werehog. Why is that the one you played? Because it was a werehog. What do you mean? Why would you not want to play it? That's a weird game, bud. I'm aware. <laughs> This game looks fun. It looks like it's just like a combination of other games. I think it's like a pseudo-sequel to Sonic Generations that came out like a decade or so ago. Okay, because it has like, I watched the trailer, 
there's clips for like Sonic Adventure 2 pretty much in this. There's clips from like original Sonic for like Game Boy and stuff on here. Right? So there's definitely it's it's interesting. I think that might be what they're doing because I haven't played Generations, but I think it's supposed to be like a callback to the to that era of like Sonic previous games. games. Yeah, while you know doing uh, its own thing. I think you need to play Sonic Adventure 2, Josh. Look, there's a yeah. lot of Sonic games I need to play. It's very fun. It opens with you, with the FBI chasing you down. As one does. Uh, and you're falling out of a helicopter from the sky, landing on uh, a skateboard in the street, surfing down the highway in San Francisco. I see no other way a Sonic game should start. Uh, it's really fun, and it's a great song, and you fight robots along the way. Cool. Also, you take care of little flower things called chows in their own little paradise islands. It's kind of like the Garden of Eden. All right. Yeah, but this trailer looks fun. I give it a yay. I'll give it a yay. Also, all of the Sonic news so far as the yay to me. Jim Carrey coming back is great. Chris Miller coming back or being introduced. Awesome. I hope she's Rouge the Bat, who's like an edgy kind of goth character. Because um, bats, you know. Also, Rouge the Bat was designed to be like a sexy character with boobs. Because why the fuck do we need to have... You know, every girl needs to have boobs in cartoons, I guess, for some, for some reason. Of course. Can you why? explain why that actually is a thing character design? I don't understand. It, look, I don't know. The, the internet did It's for the furries. Did furries exist back when Sonic was out? Or is, were furries like a more recent thing? I mean, Sonic is like legitimately probably one of the highest things that furries like. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know a goddamn thing about the furry community, and I would prefer for it to <laughs> stay that way. If if you're if you're into that, go you do you, buddy. I don't need to know. I'll say this: if you search the word "Sonic the Hedgehog Rouge the Bat" on Google Images, it has to have safe search blurring on like the notification saying "blurring is on" for safe search in case you find across anything bad. Because like I don't know if you know the internet, like if you search "Sonic X Shadow," you'll probably find not great things. They probably should title this differently. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, the internet is a scary place, and they love Sonic. Like Sonic fandom is insane. There's an ice cream truck outside, and they've been outside my apartment now for about five minutes straight. So I apologize for any music right here. Josh. What? Monkey Man. Did you watch the trailer for Monkey Man? Yes, I did. Dev Patel. That's our Prince Zuko from the last Airbender movie. Look, I'm happy that he's really actually getting to do something in a mainstream movie. Wasn't he in the Green Knight? Okay, Green Knight, though, I don't know if I would call that. Not mainstream. That. It's not really mainstream. They, they gave it a wide release, but they didn't do a damn thing for marketing for it. I think I've only ever seen him in The Last Airbender and Lion. Yeah, he's a fantastic actor. You need to watch Green Knight soon. But this, my god, this looks awesome. And I actually like, I know I don't like The Last Airbender movie, but he's one of the better actors in it. Very true. Okay, I'm. this trailer, though, looks really cool. The fact this is his first movie as director and it looks this cool, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm impressed. It's action-packed. It looks really fun. Uh, I love the coloring and the, the lighting design. I'm all I'm down for it. Yes, very much so. And yeah, this just looks this looks amazing. And I, this was supposed to be a Netflix movie. Netflix bought the rights to it, and then Jordan Peele like actually saw the movie, and he's just like, "No, we're I'm gonna put this in theaters. Here's thirty million dollars. We're putting this in theaters." <laughs> uh, so yay or nay on this trailer? Oh, hard yay, very much so. I'm so down for it. I like it. Gives me John Wick vibes. But like to me, it has more character interesting things in it than John Wick gave me. So I'm down for this. I'm very excited. The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. This trailer seemed like a Matthew Vaughn movie. It's it's funny that like 
Guy Ritchie. Well, Guy Ritchie, I would say, has been like decently stylized for most of his films, but this definitely gives off the vibes of a Matthew Vaughn movie more than most of Guy Ritchie's other films have. Yes, I like Guy Ritchie. I think. Like, I think he does some good stuff. Yeah, I think I think Aladdin from all his films I've seen is the only like big misstep. That one just doesn't feel like a movie he made. But like this, yeah, gems. Oh lord. But but this one I'm I'm genuinely excited for it. I love the premise of it. I love I love that Henry Cavill gets to do something other than be the stoic cool guy. Like he gets Thank to, you. He gets to have more of a personality here. And don't get me wrong, I like him being the stoic cool guy. He's great at it. But here just to see him like actually like laugh is great. I love it. He sticks his tongue out of this movie trailer. It's great. It's fun. He's a goofy man. He has we get to have the the Superman mustache we never really got in the movie Justice League. We get Carrie Elwes in this movie. I think it's shot and like edited really well. The editing, me though, again, it's very much like Kingsman to me. That's why I'm like, this is the vibe I got. Mm-hmm. This feels like a beat. This actually, this is like the Kingsman two against Hitler. <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. But no, this looks really fun. I'm excited for it. I like Guy Ritchie. I like the cast. I like the direction this is going. The color grading is pretty like typical teal orange. You know, whatever. The looking look overall looks like a fun generically interesting action movie i'm excited yeah i'll watch it henry cowell gets to have you know smile for once so i'm down for that also despicable me four trailer what am i supposed to say it's you've seen them all yeah i've seen number one and half of number two and one scene of minions i see the thing with the first two despicable me movies is that they found a good balance between actually having a decent story and like the minion stuff and then by you get to minions movie one that's just insane the whole time. And, like, there's a part of me that really likes it, and then a part of me that's just, like, this has no direction. Then the single Me 3 happens, that just had no direction. I don't remember a goddamn thing from it. And then Minions 2 found the perfect balance of insanity and me, like, semi-caring about the story. It's insane through and through, but I had a blast with it. This looks like we're back onto the exact same route that the Despicable Me 3 was. I don't care. I... I can do much trailer because I've not seen number three. It's or half of number two. It doesn't matter. This just looks like another one of these. It's gonna do it's gonna do well at the box office just because minions, but like you can tell that they're just like we just have uh, fuck it, who cares? And this segment was disgruntled Josh once again. Yep. Did the, the, the Ghostbusters Frozen Empire trailer? Uh I'm gonna say what I said last time. They forget the comedy. I think more so this one, it feels more Ghostbusters-y than the first trailer did. That's true. But, like, overall, I guess that is true. We do have Paul Rudd saying how much he loves busting ghosts, and he loves busting. Yes. I would like to correct a mistake. I'm pretty sure on this podcast, I've said before, Jason Reitman is directing this. That was incorrect. I misremembered. This is from the director of Monster House. Jason Reitman, I think, is producing it. He may have co-written it, but the director of Monster House is making this one. I like that it's not like, same thing I said last time. I like that it's not the you know the key holder and the the locker. You know, <laughs> it's not it's not what's not Zava. It's um, what's the name? The Ghoul Zool. That's what it is. It's not Zool again, and Keymaster or whatever. I don't. I'm that's been done twice now. I'm done with that. I'm glad it's something new. I like this group of people. Uh, I like that it's all cold and icy. That seems fun. It does have more jokes than last time, but I think people keep forgetting why Ghostbusters 1 worked was because it was a random, schlocky B-movie comedy. It is so much, like, 
yes, the ghosts are there, but it's literally just a vehicle for its three and for for its three leads until um um what's his name Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. What until he shows up and it's just the four of them just like riffing off of each other. That's all it is. And now it's gotten to the point of like where the last one got to like ha- tell a like really good story, and this one it has an identity crisis. Bring back the least Flocky B movie version, please. Please. It looks fun though. I I give it. I I think it's a nay. I like it, but I'm still giving it a nay because it just the vibe doesn't match the original. I think it should feel like that again. Oh, but I don't know. I'll give it a yay. I like the design of the main ghost villain. I think that this this cast is good. I'll give it a yay for now. Adaptations, Josh. We have news about those. Oh, boy. First off, the Percy Jackson and the Olympians season one ended based on the Lightning Thief book. You finished it? I still have not caught up. How far are you? For, episode two. Josh! I finished episode two. <laughs> I will say... I have a lot of complaints about the show, actually. I think as an accuracy version, I guess it's technically speaking more accurate than the movie is. I think the best adaptation of the story so far is the musical, which is bizarre to say. It, to me, it just, it's paced horribly. Interesting. And, like, the, uh, it's a lot of exposition dumping. It's a, like, every episode is just, like, people just being told things. That's the whole, whole story. That's the whole show. And I think it needs to do a lot more with, like, I hope next season they get, instead of 20 episodes, I hope we get, like, 45-minute episodes. And instead of, like, 8, it was, like, 10. Let us actually breathe and feel things and have moments of character more, I think. Let them be funnier. I just personally don't understand, and we talked about this in the last episode, why so many streaming shows seem so hell-bent on giving as few episodes as possible. Like, this is a show that, at minimum, should have been, like, 13 episodes. Yes, it absolutely should. You could... If you, I am fine having them be 20 episodes... Because you know how you know, want to relate to younger audiences with attention span or whatever, but to make more episodes because you're cutting out a lot of actual like core character stuff you could have. But whatever, it's fine. The last, the last episode is the best episode. Cool. Uh, also, rest in peace, Lance Reddick, who played Zeus. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you haven't even seen it, but like the finale of the show of the season is like says in loving memory of Lance Reddick. Aww. So it's good overall, I think, but it's just like it needs some rewriting and reworking for next season which has not actually been picked up yet for season two they're working on writing still though uh i'm actually kind of surprised they didn't get picked up immediately for season two like really shocking because everyone i know has been talking about it still but whatever bob the builder josh he builds things an animated movie is in the works starring anthony ramos <laughs> all right uh he, the film follows roberto aka bob who builds who, who travels to puerto rico for a major construction job and digs deeper into what it means to build. What? Okay. Is this... What? Look, Bob... Of eight, okay. I, I, I don't think we need to be thinking about the story of this too much. This is a show designed for preschoolers. A coming-of-age story for carpenters. <laughs> You're telling me that four-year-olds don't dream of being carpenters? I don't know. I don't know, man. This is bizarre. What it's dig into deep, dig deeper into what it means to build is a bizarre idea. But sure, yay, sure, yay. How do I train your dragon? That's a thing. Somehow being made into live action with the same director, again. Cool. And according to uh, people, you know people. Ah, yes. The I... remake. <laughs> yes, go on. That the people. I know them. Yep, the people. 
this, this remake, this live action adaptation, whatever you want to call it, will be its own film and its own interpretation. Quoting, it's like, let's not try and just do a play by play of that. If anyone wants that, they can rewatch the animated animated ones. And again, like like we said with the Avatar stuff before, I agree with that on principle. How about instead just adapt the book because it's wildly different. The book is wildly different, but I think that with with certain remakes, there are certain expectations, and you have to strike the balance of meeting those expectations while trying to do your own thing. So don't do a one for one, but also don't do the exact same thing. You got you have to be able to pick and choose correctly, like the things to keep and the things to change, which we're about to probably get into, I would imagine. Well, we have news about the casting for one thing. We have one thing I think you're gonna like is that Julian Dennison is playing Fish Legs. You might know him from Deadpool Two or from Hunt for the Wilder People. Wonderful. I also don't know the rest of the cast of this. Uh, Gabriel Howell as Snot Lout, Bronwyn James as Roughnut, and Harry. Trevaldwin as Tough Nut. Cool. Do you know any of them? Uh, that's a great question. I've not seen these kids in anything. Besides Julian? Yeah, besides Julian. But uh, so far, the main cast is being saying this okay overall. This is like, on principle of casting, I'm fine with this based on looks because I don't know they're in before. I don't have the reference for them, but sure. Yep. Now we're going to get on to other adaptation news. I'm going to get more bogged down and probably don't and don't worry is... i i'm i too will probably be sharing in these feelings that you are experiencing as well so i like ang boy remember how i w- talked on the podcast many times about how i'm giving this show the benefit of the doubt i don't think i can do that anymore after the last airbender is my favorite show of all time we talked about last episode about how we liked the trailer <laughs> and how we thought overall this will be tentative but it's probably good we'll be we'll keep our we're fine with the remixing whatever it's gonna be at least okay we said that repeatedly. Yes. Let's focus on the first thing. Albert Kim says a live action after the last Airbender series couldn't uh, couldn't just appeal to kids, but must appeal to the people who are big fans of Game of Thrones, whilst being true to the DNA of the original series. I think they meant was just like adult audiences, like fantasy fantasy lovers, but don't use Game of Thrones specifically as that line. And also, if you're trying to say to appeal to both kids and adults. Just Say do that. what, just yeah, that. But also, do what the original show did. Yes, it's a show made for children, but it was also like adult enough to be able to appeal to adults without having to be to quote unquote adult. If that makes and sense. And I would argue that it was not made for kids. It's just where they happen to get the show made. Like they happen to get, you know get it for Nickelodeon. So like, okay, it has to cater to those censors. So I think this quote really means we'll have blood and more adult themes, which actually is shown. Like, we'll actually see the bodies more, and more of the killings actually will be shown instead of just, like, implied. And I get that. But, you know, also, Game of Thrones comes with, like, also weird sexual stuff involved when you bring that up. So maybe don't say that stuff. I, I don't know. Nay? Uh, uh, nay. Just you could say you can uh, adapt the themes from the show to appeal to everyone. That's all you needed to say with that. Whatever. Next thing. I'm going to talk about for a second. It's about the character of Sokka. Oh boy. Which I guess will be just be general spoilers for the whole show Avatar. Skip ahead to our year interview segment because this is our last piece of news if you're not interested or if you've not watched the show. Because there are timestamps down below. Which I know if there are ads in the podcast like on Spotify, it's a little off, but you can just estimate by about a minute. Whatever. So Netflix live action Avatar series took out how sexist Sokka was in the original, quoting a lot of moments in the animated show were iffy. Like, yes. 
Okay, I see both sides of the argument here, actually. Because it... <sighs> technically, yes, some things were iffy. And people are saying it's a huge part of his arc. I mean, no. It's like episode four of Warriors of Kyoshi is where things start to really change. I will say it's a precursor to his bigger arc in the show, which is his insecurities. Yeah. That's what it, it's ref, the, the sexist part of it comes from him growing up in a patriarchal, isolated society. That's what his arc is about and expanding his world beliefs. So, yes, the lesson of girl can fight what? <laughs> Maybe they're not just like useless. It's like that's a weird thing to talk about in 2024.5. I get that. But, and I'm not defending or the sexism necessarily, I'm not removing, I'm not, but like it made sense for a character. Also, the show wasn't like, see how good this is. The show was saying, hey, we need to move past this. You need to change. Like, immediately. Yeah. Plus, you would also not believe how many kids today still don't, you know, still have these misogynistic, you know, and sexist viewpoints engraved into them and need to, like, hear, like, oh, yes, women are people, too. And again, I think him learning respect for women because they can be warriors, too, isn't the best message. I get that. Especially because the person he's learning that from eventually will be his love interest, which makes it weirder. A little bit like a, in a live action scenario. Also, there are only eight episodes per season. Things will feel a little rushed, and you might have to cut some things like that. I get it. Again, th- but I think it's missing the back, the bigger point of it's about how insecure he really is as a person. He doesn't have a mother. He hasn't had a father for most of his life. He had to be the, literally the biggest the man of the tribe. He had to be hyper-masculine in a kind of a toxic way growing up without any adults there. When they, when they went off to war to help the entire tribe and their their nation— he had to be the embodiment of what masculinity could be. And without anyone who ma- actually masculine there, he had to just figure it out for himself. There's a lot of deep, actual rooted themes in that of a person. Like, that's very multi-layered. It's, and it's, just bring it down to, they were iffy, fundamentally is weird. It also just, it makes me wonder now, then what is his arc going to be? Because if you take those parts of his journey out, then you don't have a complete character. This would be like if somehow, for some reason, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, was getting remade by different people, and they were just like, yeah, the characters weren't good people, and like they said and did bad things, so we're not going to do that anymore. And it complete by doing that, you completely miss the entire point of it. And here, by taking out this stuff, you're missing and misunderstanding why that stuff was in there to begin with. And it's just so strange for them to make this choice. And it just kind of feels like that it's a reductive like viewpoint of how and why this existed in the first place, I guess. It's like they're, try- they're trying to do good, but in doing so, they're forgetting why it was done in the first place. Now, he does kind of stop being like outwardly sexist in any way by book, by episode, chapter four, Quarries of Kiyoshi, which is out of 20 episodes in book one. So I get it. But again, it's the precursor to his bigger journey of like removing a lot of the deeper insecurities of himself, removing a lot of the ideas of patriarchy, the ideas of who he is, and humbling himself. That arc finishes in book three, the episode um, Sokka's Master, when he has to, when he's truly humbled for who he is and not trying to boast a big ego anymore. That's what this is about. So the sexism is a precursor to his bigger ego and his bigger themes of that. So. I'm fine that they're removing the sexism part if they actually double down his insecurities part. 
yeah, and also like if they're cutting out his stuff, then what about the one guy from the the one Water Master from the end of book one, I Master mean, Paku? Yeah, like that was such a, that was such a big thing for that whole that whole episode arc was his sexism and Katara like proving to him like no, you have been wrong about this. Well, like, on that note, uh, they also removed other things. Certain areas of Katara's character have also been removed, including some gender issues that didn't quite translate from the cartoon. What? What does this mean? Because, <laughs> like, some gender issues. You mean, like, having to constantly prove who she is in a world of masculinity? Also, Sokka... That also plays off the last thing is, Sokka's team becomes surrounded by Katara and Toph, who are the best penders of all time. So, it's just, it's wild to me. So the gender issues, like, Katara has to be, is, is taking on an overly... If they remove her, like, motherly side of things, I'll be really confused. Because, again, that goes back to how she's raised in a tribe of, at this point, all women, with her mom being gone, how she had to step up to the role of mother, pretty much for everyone around her. So, like, I, it's just bizarre. There, again, <laughs> again, a lot of these choices, and from the way that they talk about it, it sounds like that it was coming from the higher-ups of Netflix, which is starting to become clear why the original creators left. And again, these kind of decisions, they seem to be well-intentioned, but they're not understanding why they were important to the characters to begin with and seeing that for 2005, like, and especially on a kid's show, like, I would say they were pretty advanced, I guess, if that's the best way to put it. Also, like, you brought up before Master Paku in the episode The Waterbang Master up in, like, the North Pole and stuff. I love that episode because I think the sexism in that, the idea of, like, is fascinating to me. Because it's an isolated tribe having ways of culture, and she's an outsider challenging their actual cultural beliefs. It's not just, oh, he's sexist guy, women can't do this. It's, no, you're coming into, like, it's like if you walked into, like, it's a wild thing to first want to do first off. And then prove that you're right is a huge deal. So removing, like, I don't know. It's a bizarre choice. It's... And if they remove Master Paku, like, at, also, it's not just him. It's the tribe itself. It's they ha- they have men are waterbending warriors who waterbend can be warriors. Women who waterbend can be healers. That's like the, how their whole northern waterbend tribe runs. It's not just Paku. It's like an actual systemic thing. That's what I meant to before before. So like, yeah. So her challenge the actual systemic issues is a big point. Yeah, and when you look at how Shyamalan, you know, did his version of it, obviously a lot of stuff was cut. You know, for including very- that. Yeah, for very obvious reasons, but you also have to look at, like, the narrative formats between movies and shows. They're both very different in how they do things, so the reason— Also, Shaman's was 90 minutes. Yes. Shaman's version is not good. I'm not defending his version, but I'm saying that the choices that he made to cut certain things makes more sense with the format of it. But here, we are a show again, so, like, cutting this stuff doesn't make sense for this format. And here comes what I think is the biggest offense of all of this, actually. Because, sure, some of the gender issues can be changed, they can be tweaked. Sure, Sokka's sexism can be removed, and it's fine, because his big arc is about being insecure, and needing to be humbled, and all this other stuff. The biggest thing to me that's most egregious change I've heard so far is to make After Last Airbender a serialized drama, Aang will not go on many detours, detours looking for adventures like riding the elephant koi. And quote, we essentially give him this vision of what's going on going to happen, and he says, I have to go to the Northern Water Tribe to stop this to stop this from happening. What? If you're doing that, then what are we doing for seven episodes? 
Well, I guess I mean it still takes a while to get to the North Pole. I get that. The, still, though, <laughs> if if you don't if he's not going to go on detours, then why make a bunch of detours then? Also, he's a child. Yes, fundamentally, Aang is someone who ran away. That's at his core. He's, he doesn't want this responsibility. He doesn't want any of this. Also, giving him a vision saying to go to the North Pole. No, he doesn't need to learn how to waterbend. Why can't it be the same reason here? So here's, so thank you for bringing this up. By giving him a vision, this kind of completely goes against why he ran away in the first place. Now it's basically just being like, he ran away because he didn't want the responsibility. Then he wakes up and then he realizes he has a responsibility. He's like, I'm going to go fulfill this responsibility. That completely obliterates the entire point of that entire episode arc and an integral part to his character. This makes no sense. A lot of people's favorite episode of all book one is called The Storm, which is a parallel mirroring of Zuko's story and Aang's story in their past. And it's so well done. It's my favorite episode of book one as well, probably. And having all of Aang's history of who he is, of being all of a sudden isolated, once he finds out he's the Avatar, being isolated from his friends because just one being told all of a sudden, hey, you're different now. There's just so many layers to all of this. And then... Okay, his he just found out his childhood was going to be robbed from him completely for the rest of, for the rest of his life, pretty much. Okay, now in this new version, let's keep his childhood robbed from him again. What the the whole point of him going to the Northern Water Tribe is to learn the elements. He doesn't have this greater goal yet of saving the world. He just knows that you know he needs to learn these elements, and along the way, he's going to do what kids do and do kid shit. Well, like what's funny about this to me is. This kind of they had a thing last week or whatever that said they were going to remove Sozin's comet from book one, like as an idea uh, of like a, so they removes the idea of a ticking clock, like because that because the kids and will age in real life. Which I and get that I understand that that makes sense. Right, but that also the, I was saying I have to get I have vision I have to get to the Northern Water Tribe right now feels like also adding a ticking clock for their journey of I have to save the world or whatever, and like, at least in this book one. And introducing Susan's comment saying it's coming soon would have done the same thing. Because book one, halfway through, they introduce Susan's comment and say, hey, by, by summer's end, this will come. You have to defeat the Fire Lord by then. You could have just said, hey, and, and Susan's comment's coming soon. We don't know when yet. Or you could have left it vague. And then so, the exact same thing to make him go to the water time faster. You could have stopped cut his detours over halfway through the season when that happens, like the show does. Again, I think a lot of these problems of like them cutting stuff comes from the fact that it's only eight episodes, and if they had more, then I think that this could have been fine. Like again, if it was a minimum thirteen, they could have kept so much of this stuff in without having to risk changing a lot of stuff. But by making it only eight, they have to cut so much to be able to fit into this new episode format and. The more I'm hearing about it, the more and more worried I'm getting. I don't want it to be bad. I want it to be good. But with these changes they're making, I am very scared now. Nay, all of this. I don't. I just. I, I just feel like a lot of misunderstandings of these characters to me. Yeah, it's. It just sounds like that a lot of these choices come from the higher ups of trying to. I, w- I don't want to say being progressive. But that is kind of how it comes off. And by doing so, they're not understanding how the original was progressive and what it was doing. Oh, it was iconic. And it, I guess like what's funny to me is that the original Empire show came out now. People would be like, it's too woke. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Which is wild to me because it's the people who call things woke now, like, oh, too woke, whatever. 
like people who loved the show as a kid also it's confusing to me it, it's great i love it. I last ever i think it's the best show of all time so it's fine making changes it's fine doing that if you understand the material you're making changes from and respect it and it's like these and, the people making it both seem to understand it while also misunderstanding it and Josh, that brings us to our main topic today, which is our year in review from last year. Oh, boy. And a lot happened last year. We had SAG strike. We had WGA strike, which are, were definitely a long time of things not coming out as much. Yep. Including this podcast taking a break for a while. Yep. Overall, I think it was a pretty good year for media. Now, Josh, this episode focuses now mostly, though, on films and like, just the general filmography. There's a few things about TV and a few things about games, but overall, about TV and movies specifically. Are you down for this year in review about last year? Oh, I always am. Okay, let's start with our biggest yay from last year. If you know the podcast, we have yay and nay, as you've probably gotten from this new segment here before. And so yays are just are positive things, nays are negative things, obviously, but they can also be arbitrary reasons. I gave something a nay earlier because of something stupid. We can do it anytime we want to. Okay, Josh, the biggest yay movie-wise from last year, what would you give that? Oh, easily would be Across the Spider-Verse. No, no contest. Really? Yep. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Barbie. I understand. I think, I think Barbie is phenomenal. I love it. It's probably my favorite movie last year. I have some ones that are also, they're also really high. I loved Iron Claw. I loved Godzilla Minus One. A lot of movies that are, you know, fantastic. And so you think Across the Spider-Verse, no doubt? Oh, Cross the Spireverse is just incredible through and through. I rewatched it not too long ago, and just everything from its story to its characters, the goddamn incredible animation and everything that they do into it, it feels like an impossible thing to have been able to top the first film, and I think that it did. It's truly an incredible film. Now, the biggest nay from last year for you. <laughs> that's that's an easy one. Uh, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child Ooh. of Fire. Really? That was and I I, I it feels wrong what? to it feels wrong to judge it because this isn't the true version of it. Director's which, cut? And it's it frustrates me so much. I don't know what the director's cut can fix narrative wise. I don't think it can fix much, but I know that it can make a more cohesive story. But this PG thirteen version Netflix released around Christmas it's my least favorite Zack Snyder movie. It's not good. Um, just the Snyderisms of wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. Worse than Sucker Punch? Oh, for sure. At least Sucker Punch oh. has good fight scenes and good visuals. This has bad fight scenes and bad visuals. Again, the Snyderisms of it don't work. I it, The characters are the most paper thin he's ever done. It's just going hopping from planet to planet that you can't tell any differences of and going to a person and be like, hey, want to join a team? I can't join a team because I have a dark past. Well, you got to be good now. Okay, I'll join the team. And then we never hear that character speak again. Should I watch it? No. Okay, cool. My biggest nay of last year was a Netflix original movie called The Tudor, starring Noah Schnapp <laughs> and Garrett Hedlund, and I watched the whole thing. I remember you telling me it was not good. It, it's like half fine for the first like two-ish quarters, like a half movie, maybe three quarters of the movie. It's, I guess, you know, it, it happened. I think I gave it two stars. I didn't see anything last year I truly hated we like, this is just not a good vibe. It's just, that's not going anywhere the whole time. It's like, interesting, interesting this mystery. And it's just like, you you cheated on my mom or something. Ah, you, you attacked her. Like, okay, Noah, 
<laughs> Calm down. Also, I don't think acting, the acting in this movie is phenomenal like, across the board. I don't know if it's a direction thing. So I think whether I like Noah Schnapp or not now, I think it's generally a better actor than he gave in this performance. Yeah, like season two of Stranger Things, like he did a really good phenomenal. job with that. Yes. So I think he could do better than this. Garrett Hedlund. Uh, I mean, he was Hook and Pan. He also was in Tron Legacy. He had a weird career. I know he's done good things. Yeah. He has an Aragon, apparently. He's in Triple Frontier. Yeah, I, he, I'm sure he's great. He was fine in this. I just am confused by this movie, mostly. Also, like, the first... A tiny part of Saltburn gave me vibes from the tutor. And if you watch the movie, you know what I mean. I don't know. It's fine. You know what it's about? Uh, tutor. A professional tutor, played by Garrett Hedlund, takes a job at a remote manor. He soon finds himself battling his disturbed students' obsessions, which threaten to expose his darkest secrets and unravel his carefully crafted persona. Cool. It's fine. Victoria Justice is in it. Oh. She's, uh, like, the girlfriend of Garrett Hedlund in it. Oh. Neat. Yeah. That's my biggest nay of the year. I guess second biggest nay would probably be Wish, but that's fine. Second biggest nay for me is The Flash. Oh, yeah, you watched that. Sadly. Um, so let's go. Okay, that brings us to the next ring. A neutral nay. So it's like, it's, I think it's just like pretty much the middle of the road. Could even be a six out of ten for you, but you're going to go with nay anyway. Could be a four, could be a five, so in that range. Just like, so it's a pretty neutral movie overall, but just, I'm leaning towards a downward slope. What What do you give that ranking to today? If I'm going for a neutral nay, that's a good question. Um, It might still be Wish for me, actually. It's oof. I have I have three contenders for it. I have Mario, the Last Voyage of the Demeter, and yeah, Wish. Wish I think I'm is the wish. one that Wish tends to be more nay, like not not neutral. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with Mario on this one. Ooh, hot take for a lot of people. It's not a hot take. It's not good. It's very <laughs> mad. I am tired of people acting like it's good. If you think it's good, watch more movies. I might cut this out. That's very aggressive. You know, you know Jack Black said he loved it himself? And I love Jack Black in it. He's not the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. You know what? For your Mario, for your, for your aggressiveness, I give you a, 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 a plus. I might switch my neutral day, actually. I might. No, I'll leave it Wish. It's it, To me, it's it's bordering on fine, mostly bad. Yeah, Wish is just, it's just so generic to the it's point It's so of, unneeded. It's, you gain nothing from it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nicole, my lovely girlfriend. I know you like it a lot. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't remember a goddamn thing from it since I've seen it. And I, I do because of TikTok. Because that song that Chris Pine sings, that's bad. What is it? None of the songs are good. I'm sorry. They're just No, not. there's one song I liked. Um, that... I don't remember what it is now. I guess it didn't stick in my head. Okay, a neutral <laughs> yay. So, like, that's kind of fine, but again, you can be a six, four, or five, but, but hmm. your rating here does not matter. Mostly just what the vibe is like. That's kind of an experience I didn't hate. A neutral yay. That's a good question. For me, I might go Haunted Mansion. Like, it's fine. Like, I think Lakia Stanfield is really fun. You know, Dan DeVito, Rosario Dawson, almost, and I think that the child being suicidal at the end was very weird. Um, but overall, it's fine. I'm going to go with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> That's your neutral yay? It's my neutral yay because of its batshit bonkers third act. I'm not going to give it away, but my god, that saved it for me. I think the epitome for me of neutral yay this year is Knock at the Cabin. Really? I really like Knock at the Cabin. I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
a hundred minutes long, and I get that nothing happens because nothing really can happen because of the plot. But like, I don't know, man. I'm missing something. I needed something else to happen. Like, I think overall, I came out like I'm glad I watched that, but not much else. I mean, that's the case with a lot of Shyamalan stuff for some people. It's either going to really work for you or it's really not. For this, it worked for me. No, I'm neutral, Josh. I don't have one way or the other. F- then you're a weird person, then. Oh, best movie villain. Who is it this year? Uh, we got contenders like we got Nicolas Cage's Dracula. What was the we wait, got, what was the category? Best movie villain. Oh, we got um um what's his face? We got High Evolutionary for Guardians Three. We've got Age Gaps from No Hard Feelings. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Systemic Problems in Elemental. <laughs> we got Little Mermaid. Um, we got what's her face in it? Ursula. You know, yeah, Ursula. We got Jack Black's Bowser from Mario movie. We have Fury of the Gods. They got the go- the the bad peoples. That... We we have reviving dead people in the Flash. We oh God. So you have WB on here. <laughs> uh, we got Scream Six, uh, Ghostface, or you know just Spyglass of this year <laughs> as the company. Uh, the uh... Bear from Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I think you mean the hero. Coca- uh, Kang from two things, actually. That's not a movie villain, so just Quantum Mania. Um, we got Tom Hanks in Asteroid City. He's the villain, totally. Jared Leto in Mahonda Mansion. Alright, I have two answers. If we're going for movie villain, I'm going for Jason Momoa from Fast X. What Are you a, serious? What a delightful performance. I loved it. And then if we're going in general, I'm going with the film studios. As a whole? As a whole for the strikes. What about, like, Gabe Plotkin from Dumb Money? Or any of the, any of the like, hedge fund boys? I Yeah. I think my best movie villain this year. Can I say the dad from Iron Claw? Does that count? It's the a real person, so I probably shouldn't. It's a very complicated answer. I don't think you would be wrong in saying it. Look, that family curse was just a dad. <laughs> uh, No, but this best... Actually, no, I'm going to give it to Godzilla from Godzilla Minus One. Not bad, not bad. Maybe the chocolate cartel, you never know. <laughs> I'm I'm sticking with Jason Momoa. I love God, he was amazing in Fast X. <laughs> not Hugh Grant in D and D. I'm not say I'm not saying that he's bad. I'm just saying you like you <laughs> No, you're right. I'm giving mine to Godzilla though. Best musical or musical vibes? Ooh. That's a good question. Uh we got like Leo, we got Wonka, we got Wish. Dicks. Um, one scene in the Marvels. Honestly, if you added songs, poor things would be like a musical. <laughs> it's not a musical, but all right. No, I said if you honestly, if you added songs, like it has the, some of the like set design and stuff, gives me musical vibes. Uh... Same with Astro- Asteroid City gives just theater vibes in general because it's a, like an homage to theater in general. I'm gonna give it to Theater Camp. It's not a musical, musical vibes. I that's why I added. The, we didn't have a lot of musicals this year. I'm adding musical <laughs> vibes as a category part. I'm going to go with The Color Purple. That was fantastic. If, ah, actually Wonka. Wonka's great. Yeah. Wonka, Wonka's, he's a good drug dealer. It's delightful. <laughs> what was your most unhinged experience in a movie this year? Most unhinged? Yeah, it might be Saltburn to me. Are we talking about the movie itself? Uh, interpret how you will, bud. If you want to get some tea from IRL stuff, we can do that. Un- I'm like. Because hmm. we have unhinged experience and then weirdest movie next. So most unhinged experience might also be Dick's the musical. I don't know that that is borderlines on weird by the end. 
I'll give it to Saltburn. No, it's Bottoms in a good way. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Bottoms on that one. That that's unhinged, but in the best possible way. There are no hinges. There are no doors. There's no no <laughs> walls. It's all just like... it's just there. <laughs> um, yeah, Bottoms is very unhinged. It's so fun. It's delightful. It's very gay, and we love it. But Windows movie movie. There's a lot of weird movies, lot of weird movies happened. Ashworth says is pretty weird. Renfield's pretty weird. I like. I have an easy answer. I'm going with Bo is Afraid. Above Poor Things or Saltburn? You see, those are well made. Oh. <laughs> see, we have an Ari Aster hater here. No, I'm not an Ari Aster hater. I like his stuff. <laughs> Look, I just watched Midsummer for the first time. It's good. It's an experience. It is. But look, Bo is Afraid is a film I can tell on a technical level is very impressive. And I think that performances from everyone are great. I have no goddamn idea what that man was going for with this movie. If you like it, good for you. I'm happy that you found something to love. By the end of the three hours, I was thankful the three hours were over. I'm giving Weirdest Movie of the Year to Dix the Musical. That's That would have been my other choice. <laughs> Again, two-thirds... I'm kind of okay with it. It's literally the last, like, ten minutes. Ah, <laughs> uh, kind of almost ruined the thing for me. So, Josh, what was the most fun game experience for you this year that you played? Ooh. For me, it's going to be uh, Tears of the Kingdom, because I didn't play a lot of games this year. I'm going to go with either the Resident Evil 4 remake or Spider-Man 2. For me, actually, it'd be Dungeons of Eternity. It's a really fun game in VR, and you put a little bit, but it gets more fun. So keep playing. Okay. That's my game of the year for me, my favorite experience. I don't, I don't think the game was fully released this year, but it's my first time playing it. So, Josh, this is usually we do top three and top uh, for this category, but I'm going to give it, say, top two because there are fewer this year than ever before, feels like. Top three favorite superhero movies. <sighs> top three favorite superhero so top, top, top two, top two. Oh, top, yeah, we're going well, two. If we're going top two, then Inspire vs. and Guardians 3. Okay, what are your top three, then? If you... Would you expand it? So I'm debating if I wanted to do superheroes or comic books. Because <laughs> you're thinking about TMNT. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I, I'll keep it a superhero. Uh, if, if I keep it superhero, I'm gonna put Blue Beetle as number three. My top two this year are pretty firmly the Marvels and Blue Beetle. I think. All right. Sorry, no, sorry. A, a Spider Verse happened. <laughs> okay, fine. Blue Beetle and Spider Verse. Interesting. All right. I mean, like, I like Guardians 3 a lot, but I have a complicated relationship with these movies, as you know. Yes, I'm so, aware. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I I liked it, but I think I firmly like Blue Beetle. Like, there was no, like, caveats as much. Yeah. Same with the Marvels. Like, this is just really fun. But yeah, if, com- if we're talking about comic book movies in general, TMNT was really fun. I enjoyed it. But Spider-Verse was my number one favorite movie of the year until I saw Barbie. So I had to give it to that. Now, top three favorite non-superhero movies. And just for fun, don't say your biggest DAU game earlier. Well, I can't. My number one was Spider-Verse, so I already. That's can't. true. That's true. Uh, <sighs> Clearly, it's Leo. Okay. That's a, um, that's a tough for me, I'm I'm gonna go with the Iron Claw. Okay. I said I'm not gonna count my biggest Diego earlier was was definitely Barbie, so I'm gonna go Iron Claw, Godzilla minus one, and maybe maybe Wonka. Interesting. I really liked Wonka, but. It's also there's a lot of fun movies. I've seen a lot of good movies this year. I'm gonna give it to Theater Camp, I think, on that one. Okay. Cause someone who's been a theater camp counselor and and camper, it's a weird experience watching it like that. Alright, if I'm gonna go top three without Spider Verse. Barbie. Aquaman two, I'm kidding. 
Barbie Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I refuse to leave out the part one. <laughs> and whew, man, this is tough. I want to say Killers of the Flower Moon, but I'm going to say Bottoms instead. Also, there's a lot of great movies this year. So I, I think like, a lot of really good movies this year. It's like, it's tough. It is hard. Like, I, I, there's a lot of movies out here I love that I just didn't mention. Like, I put Theater Camp on there above Poor Things. I think Poor Things is a better movie. I had more fun watching Theater Camp. I kind of vibe for a lot of this. Now, Josh, best horror this movie this year. It might be Scream 6 to me. Alright. The Zone of Interest is not a horror movie, but it's pretty goddamn terrifying. That's I don't think it's going to be... And you can count horror comedy. You can count Renfield and Cocaine Bear and, you know, whatever. Haunted Mansion. They're still horror, just horror light. I'm... For me, I'm going to go... Absolute snap! (laughs) (laughs) I'm... I'm going to go with Talk to Me. That was probably my favorite pure horror movie from this year. Oh, okay. So if you go on Letterboxd and you filter this year, it won't come out, pop up there? That's that's why I have a list of my favorite films uh, uh, to make it easier for me. Yeah, smart. So Talk to Me is really good. That's, I think, really up there. I'm saying FNAF mostly as a joke because it's not the best horror movie this year. For me, it probably is going to be Scream 6. I, didn't, I mean, I like Talk to Me a lot, but I think I had more fun. Watching Scream Six, talking about a lot of brutal stuff happened in it. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, definitely not for the squeamish. No, I'm not squeamish. I just prefer not not see always oh, that all the time. I also didn't go into it expecting a lot of brutal stuff. I don't know why. I definitely should have. <laughs> but FNAF was just fun. <laughs> uh, best, no funniest movie experience to you this year. Bombs. That's fair. That was. If it wasn't bombs, then it would probably be Joyride. Now, what am I, what am I saying, Barbie? That <laughs> it is. So I don't want to get Barbie all the accolades, but also it deserves a lot of them. It deserves a lot of them, but like Barbie, Bottoms and Joyride are neck and neck um, with with Barbie in terms of comedy. They are all hilarious. Do you think anyone but you was pretty funny? Yeah, I love anyone but you. I also thought Dumb Money was pretty funny. I think that for me, it's gonna be Bottoms. I lo- I think love Barbie. I think it's really funny. Asteroid City is also very funny to me. Yeah, Asteroid City is great. No Hard Feelings is funny, but it still weirds me out a lot of time. So, whatever. I think it's going to go to bottoms for, I think, probably both of us. But you said Barbie, so I don't know. Now, Josh, best new TV show that you watched this year. Oh, god damn it. Why did you have to? Fuck. <laughs> new show. Last see, of Us? Thank you. You made my life a lot easier. I'm going I'm going with Last of Us, because that, that's new. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, how about a show that's just new to you? And I think you watched this year that you, for the first time, that you really... Oh, god damn. Like for TV wise, because uh, for me, I watched uh, for the first time this year Jane the Virgin. Nicole showed me it. That's fun. Okay, I, I think I really enjoyed though watching. Like, I finished Ted Lasso, which I also really enjoyed finishing. I, look, I've seen a lot of movies last year. I don't think I've seen that many shows. That's the problem. It's fine. We can stick with Last House and move on. So, what was the best animated feature of last year besides Spider Verse? That's the obvious answer. Ooh. Actually, no. No, for you, you might say Boy in the... Have you seen Boy in the Heron? Mm-hmm. Is that your answer or no? I think that's going to be my answer, aside from Spider-Verse. Is Spider-Verse above it to you? To me, personally, yes. But you can make a very strong case for why Boy in the Heron is the best one. And I would and I would stand by that. I'm not going to deny that. But for me, personally, I'm going with Spider-Verse. Uh, last year... I didn't actually watch a ton of anime pages from last year. Uh, Team and Team Mutant Mayhem is probably my answer. That's a good one. It's a, It's above Mario for me. It should be. It's, I'd be concerned ab- if it wasn't. It's above Wish. I, I'm going to go with, yeah, Team NT for sure. But also Wish happened. What about Elemental? Elemental happened. Leo happened. 
Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go TNT. Mutant Mayhem. I think it's fun. Cool. I think that Elemental is good. I think it needed to be a bit more on the nose for some things. But overall, I liked it a lot. Leo was very was oddly funny. But yeah, TMNT best anime feature out of Spider Verse because that's my number one. But you also have seen more movies last year than I did because I'm still working on it. Josh, what was the coolest costume of last year? Coolest costume? Ooh, I might go with Blue Beetle because it's practical. Like they actually had that on set. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to agree with you on that one. I think Blue Beetle's costume, I think, is like the best one of them. I also want to say every costume in Renfield is really fun. Yeah. I'm looking at now a list of the movies again, and just like, there's some good costumes last year. Could I also can't knock Aquaman 2's costume design ever. That's true. Those, would... those are good, too. It's just so good. Could we say... It's so well made. Could we say the animatronics in Five Nights at Freddy's because they were people in those suits? I guess. Are you giving it... Is that the coolest costume to you? One of the FNAF characters? Mm, now nah, I'm still giving would it to Blue Beetle. Out? Yeah, okay. It's Blue Beetle. Yeah, it's Jaime. Now, what was the biggest surprise for you of 2023? Biggest surprise? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm. It's the same question this past two years, Josh. Look, I do not remember. <laughs> <laughs> Mine might be Oppenheimer, but in a negative way, I thought I'd like it more. Right. No, it might be Air. That's a good choice. Good choice. Uh, I did think I'd love Air. I really loved Air. All of January, except for Missing. Jan- January of last year had just a... Air camp. That's That's good. But January of last year had Megan, Plane, A Man Called Otto, and 80 for Brady. All films that should not have been good, and yet they all were good. I had complete faith in Missing, but I'm going just with January as a whole from last year. Megan was 2023? That's crazy. Yep. I I figured it wasn't filtering right. That's why I didn't have it on my list. Okay. So Megan... Okay, Megan might be best horror rather than me above Scream 6, because it's so stupid. Oh, okay, I was about to say, what's your reasoning here? No, okay, so for biggest surprise, you're going with probably Megan, you said? Biggest surprise is just January in general, so Megan playing A Man Called Otto and 80 for Brady. Okay, mine, let's go with, yeah, it's Leo. All right. I didn't expect to like it at all. I thought it was going to be completely, like, like one star terrible. And I have three stars. I thought, I never thought. That I'd see a turtle with a tramp stamp. Voice by Bill Burr. I love that's yeah, he... the fact that you keep clinging on to about this movie. Look, it's just, it's so weird to me. I never thought I'd see a, a, a fucking iguana or whatever singing a song to a child saying, don't cry, you look like a weirdo. <laughs> like, it actually made me laugh. There are kindergartners who look like little demon trolls. It's it's funny. That's why I'm get surprised. I don't think it's amazing, but I was surprised by it. And I guess I can go in, in a negative way with this too. I really was hoping Mario will be better. You don't have to be negative. I just think about that. I think I'm going to go with Napoleon for <laughs> for that. Or, Oof. Mm, no, I'm going with Last Voyage of the Demeter on that one. That was such a cool premise, and I just feel like it was very wasted. Is there any, any movie you wish you had a chance to see in theaters that you didn't? That's a good question. Um, could be something you saw on streaming, or it could be something that you just missed out on, or whatever. Okay. Um, I still can't believe you watched Thanksgiving. That was a very fun film. I really liked it. And Saw X. I surprisingly liked it, even though I don't want to see it again. For me, it's probably Boy and the Heron. Yep, that's a good choice. I am going to go with the Hulu movie, No One Will Save You. I wish I got to see that in the theater. I also wish I got to see it in theaters, Boy Was Afraid. I think I would have liked it. I have no idea. I genuinely have no idea if you would have or not. (laughs) 
so I thought Midsummer was fine. Like I thought, okay, Midsummer. I thought it was a movie that is technically phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for me. I can understand that. Like I, I understand the love for. I understand everything about it. It's like, it's like okay, this just didn't do anything for me. I appreciate it a lot. I get all the appeal. Not my, not my vibe. So Josh, lastly for this category, anything you watched in 2023 for the first time that didn't release, like this didn't release in 2023 that you loved. Like anything from 2022, 2021, 1980, anything beforehand that you finally watched. Oh God, that's gonna take me a hot minute. <laughs> you can pick one thing, Josh. God, I why? Uh, I'm gonna go with James Cameron's The Abyss. I might go with The Nice Guys, which you showed me on your birthday. Yes, that's a very fun movie. Actually, I'm gonna give a, a random answer to this, Josh. Okay, I don't think you're ready for it. I'm never um, ready for anything. Uh, let's go with it. Let's go with um, Super Mario Brothers from 1993. <laughs> I loved it. I don't think it's good, but I loved it. You know what? I respect the answer. I respect it. <laughs> we watched this podcast. It did not come out this year, but I loved it. Also, technically, I can say The Fablemans, because I watched it this past January, last year. Yeah, that's it's the true. first time. And it's, I want to cut up, caught up on some things from 2022. Fablemans is amazing. But I feel like that doesn't get in the spirit of the, the, the answer. Yeah. So, yeah. Either Mario or technically I watched it this year. I was going to say Stand By Me for the first time. That's, it's a good movie. Oh, uh, also Mrs. Doubtfire. I watched it for the first time in it last December. It's fun. That's what I've heard. So, Josh, that was our year review for the most part. Now, last thing before the end of the show is what are your most anticipated movies and things in general? Looking forward to 2024. Now, we are now in February, so we've already seen... So, B-Keep has already come out. I know you've already seen that. Uh, Argyle is coming out. Miller's Scrolls has come out. So, I think a few things have come out now. But overall, looking forward for the rest of the year, what is your most anticipated things? That's a good question, because everything keeps getting release dates changed. <laughs> that's true. Like, the Bike Riders keeps changing. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was supposed to come out. God damn it. Uh... I guess, if we'd recorded this last December, I would have said Mean Girls. Uh, right now, I'm going to go with uh, Dune Part 2. Currently, I might go with Lisa Frankenstein. Oh, interesting. Also, Madam Web, looks, Madam Web looks interesting. I want to see it. I know it's not going to be amazing. I'm so fucking curious. <laughs> uh, Love Lies Bleeding with Kristen Stewart. I'm excited for that. Yep. Um, we got Roadhouse with Jill and Hall coming out soon. Monkey Man, Ghostbusters: Frozen Empire, Godzilla X Kong: The New ne- The New Empire. Speaking of the MonsterVerse last episode, are you excited uh, for that? <laughs> I'm gonna watch it. Okay. Um, Mickey 17 was supposed to come out this year at some point. We'll find out if it ever does. Oh, this year we're also getting Challengers with Zendaya. That's true. And Mike Feist and yay Josh O'Connor. Uh, Deadpool three, Civil War. <laughs> I I when I was seeing. Argyle today, the trailer for it played, and when like the title came up, I was like, this should be called Civil War 2, just to fuck with the audience. Oh god, the next American Civil War. <laughs> also, Bob Marley won love. I'm excited to see. I'm not. It looks like another <gasps> it looks like another generic music biopic that I look, I can't take these movies seriously anymore after watching Weird Al and Walk Hard. I just I can't. Cause they've all followed the same tropes. <laughs> This one is actually like a much more tragic story, though. I don't, real... I don't doubt it. But th- literally in the trailer, when he does, when he sings to his, says, uh, "Don't worry about a thing," to his kids in the car, and he thinks to himself, 
huh, that could be a song. It's in every music biopic. It's the laziest way of showing the songwriting process. I'm not going to get into a whole tangent about it. I don't like these kinds of movies. Josh, we're getting two Imaginary Friend movies this year. I know we're getting the John Krasinski one. What's the other one? The horror movie called Imaginary by Jeff Wadlow. Oh, no. That looks bad. This is mostly most anticipated, Josh. Come on. We got we got Arthur the King. Why would Imaginary be on your most anticipated? I'm just reading out things and seeing if you vibe with it. We got Arthur the King, the dog movie with Mark Wahlberg. Sure, it's got a good cast. What is this dog movie genre that always happens? It's I don't know. Dogs. Dogs. Uh, the Fall Guy looks fun. I'm very excited for The Fall Guy. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes comes out. Very excited. This year. Furiosa, a Mad Max saga. Oh, I'm very excited. Bad Boys 4. <laughs> Hitman. Hit, like, Hitman as in the video game? No, that's the, Glenn, that's the Glenn Powell movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very no. excited for that one. Also, um, T- Inside Out 2. Yep. The Bike Riders, uh, um, Deadpool 3, like you said. Borderlands at some point. I'm conflicted on that one. <laughs> Craven the Hunter? <laughs> I'm going with your man web logic on it. I don't know if it's going to be good, but man, I, am I going to be there day one? The Beetlejuice sequel, which is now called Beetlejuice Beetlejuice. Sure. Joker fully a Duke of this year? Oh, God. That's going to be fascinating. Venom 3 in November? Oh, hell yes. Wicked Part 1 in November? I just don't get why they're making it a two-parter. In theory, at, no, I think they've come from this yet. Mufasa this year comes out, in theory. I think, I think, doing a prequel could be interesting. Sonic 3? Yes. Uh, Robert Eggers is Nosferatu? Yes. And in theory, which is not going to happen, Beyond the Spider-Verse. Not going to happen this why, year. Why Why you got to play with my emotions like that? Well, because it's, it's still slated for this year. But it no, ain't coming out this before. year. <laughs> no. Josh... So out of the whole list thing, you know, if everything came out, you've number one thing for you this year is going to be, what do you, What was it? Number one thing. It's between Dune Part 2 and Furiosa. I might go with um, maybe the Fall Guy because it looks fun. All right. <laughs> but also genuinely matter well. I'm so curious. <laughs> oh, that is our show, people. Um, Josh, where can people find you online? I'm at the places and different names to infuriate Sean. I'm on Twitter at jrudy 28 Instagram at jrudy 16 YouTube at Josh Rudolph, and Letterboxd at NerdForFilm28. You can find me on Twitter at, at TheTheaterNerd, or on TikTok and Instagram at ThatNerdInTheater, and you can email the show at podgeekspeak at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us with hashtag GeekSpeakPod or at GeekSpeakPod on Twitter. Sorry, X now. You also can join our Discord. It's in the description down below of the episodes. Um, come to the community. Come interact with us. It'll be a jolly good time. And some of us soon, we'll be trying to do a game night on there. So come join for that. Woo. Woo indeed. Oh, what a year it was, actually. It's pretty crazy how much stuff got us here. Anything you want to mention that you had last year you wanted to, that you didn't get to say quickly? Like, you know, like, like that was great kind of thing uh, it, it didn't fall into necessarily the best uh, the best category for you but like like really glad it came out and you liked it a lot like hunger games was really fun yeah i loved hunger games that was uh god damn it give me one second <laughs> the creator was pretty fun i like the i like the creator i think it gets too much shit i think it came out at the wrong time but <laughs> being about ai and stuff yeah that was just a misfortune um, magic mike's last dance great movie loved it Joyride is really fun. Like D and D is fun. I th- I thought Fool's Paradise was actually pretty decent. I'm glad. Hey Josh, I think it's time we bounce.
bouncing time? Do do we have bouncing yoga balls time. to do it? Every day, baby. Oh, when when will I get my yoga ball? Tomorrow. Oh. Okay. You got recording here. <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.